0: it would be financially unfeasible for them to be able to also pay for enough cannabis to then take care of themselves in the same way that they uh, would be given the option to use opioids, right? And so that's definitely one of the big challenges um, that you face. And then there's other challenges uh, in terms of just going into a VA and you know if you've taken cannabis, that there could be issues.
1: This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de stress smoke sesh podcast.
2: I'm your host, Lit.
1: And I'm your host, Lucid. And we're going to take you on a journey
2: a journey to discover the truth and find the balance.
1: Every week, we get deep on those thought provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe.
2: But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture.
1: So kick back,
2: consume your favorite cannabis products, and get cozy, cozy in the, the Lit,
1: Lit and Lucid, Lucid lifestyle. lifestyle.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Stephen Jung. He is this chief operating officer of PAX. With Veterans Day coming up this Thursday, we asked Stephen to join us to discuss PAX's latest brand partnership and the launch of their Veterans Relief Era Pod. Stephen has an extensive career background in operations, previously serving as the president and CEO of Weedmaps, as well as past work at Twitter, where he was responsible for scaling the company's revenue operation. Stephen is also a veteran himself, starting his career in operation leadership as a captain in the U.S. Army, holding both strategic and tactical roles. It's an honor to speak with you today, Stephen, to learn more about your vast experience as a leader in scaling companies, as well as learning more about the good work PACS is doing to support veterans. Welcome.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, you know we're stoked to have you on and stoked to kind of dig into this, uh, you know, past collaboration and, and discuss you know Veterans Day more. And I'll uh, just to always start. You know, we want to thank you for your service, and uh, you know maybe right. we'll have a, a second to kind of talk about that here shortly. But uh, let's learn a little bit more about you and how your whole journey started in the cannabis industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I consider myself one of the people who were lucky enough to be chosen by the industry, if you will, because <laughs> uh, I was just doing my thing in Silicon Valley and um, working at a company <clears throat> that some friends had actually founded out of Y Combinator. Uh, we were three going on four years into it. Things are going well um, and sold off actually one part of the business. And right about that time, Weed Maps actually reached out. And you know, you, you typically get inbound requests from recruiters at, at other tech companies. That's a very normal thing. Um, but in this case, weed maps just by virtue of the name tends to jump out of the, <laughs> uh, out of the screen at you. And, um, you know, my initial reaction was actually, um, was, was a no, uh, cause I just didn't see myself at that point in time switching into cannabis. But after a little bit of soul searching, I realized that, uh, I had no basis on which to make that decision. Cause I had never thought about cannabis as an industry from that perspective, right. To join and actually to, to work within it. So, so I did some homework on it and it doesn't take much to find out that, what you have here is a, a massively growing industry that's pre mainstream adoption, right? That there's still a lot of problems to solve, a lot of challenges that need to be solved, which by another name, right, we can call fragmentation. And so I think within that, I think there's a ton of opportunity. And so um, I, I decided to take the call eventually and uh, got lucky enough to you know, meet up with, uh, with Doug, co founder and CEO of Weed Maps, and um, <clears throat> Chris, who's now currently the CEO. At the time, he was the general counsel. And uh, and we all saw eye to eye on what the future held. Um, you know, I came in to do some specific things, and and luckily all those things worked out, uh, culminating with the company going public just recently earlier this year, which was uh, obviously wonderful as a first step for the industry, um, given that it's the first NASDAQ listed cannabis company. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, again, I think all of that's really amazing. But here I am now. Um, you know, that was 2017 when that started, and. Today, I'm lucky enough now to be a part of PAX, and super excited about the journey ahead of us. But uh, like I said, I certainly when I graduated from West Point and uh, was commissioned as an officer, right? Um, nowhere in my <laughs> future did I see <laughs> did I see weed on the horizon, but here we are.
2: And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. You know, veterans and cannabis and, you know, military and things like that, those don't always intertwine. So explain to us why you felt PAX was, you know, they felt the need to do this collaboration for Veterans Day and really shine light on veterans and the importance of having access to cannabis.
0: Absolutely. I think PAX, right, one of the great reasons that I decided to join the company is it represents an opportunity to do more than just build a company or do something that's for profit. Um, And I think this is true about all of cannabis, right? Is that if you're involved with this industry and the space at all, you have an opportunity to also do some good in the world. And I think for us, a part of our mission as a company is very much to do just that, right? To to be a force for good and actually have social impact. And when you look at social impact in cannabis, um, right? There's a few things that stand out very clearly. Social equity is definitely one area. Social justice being another and then last but not least, access, safe access. And I think as far as our um, our partnership with We for Warriors and Wounded Warriors uh, in the US and Canada respectively, I think it's very much on the access front, right? And so when you look at the veteran community right now, there's lots of stats out there that would point to the fact that we have a very special group of people who face some challenges, very real challenges in terms of mental and physical health. and. Uh, we know the the status quo for how this population is treated and it's usually treated with opioids which at this point the studies clearly show um, that opioids are highly addictive and that they ultimately and very often lead to overdose and unfortunately even death and so looking at the veteran community right a couple stats to throw out there veterans only comprise seven percent of the u.s population but ultimately uh, 14% of suicides, right? And so when you start to look at that kind of ratio, you can see that what you have here is probably a group of people that need additional support and service in terms of finding he- healthier alternatives to, to treatment. And, and I think that's what Canvas represents. And so our decision to partner with Weed for Warriors and, and Wounded Warriors, again, um, is, is very much along the lines of two great organizations who are out there working with the veteran community and focusing on and serving as advocates for safe access so that veterans who actually need the uh, need cannabis as one of their options in terms of their own treatment and, and wellness, that they can get it, right? And so I think both organizations um, are doing amazing work on both of those areas and working with the veteran community around just general rehabilitation uh, and making sure that we can bring some of these stats down and get them to a much healthier place.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, part of my uh, part of my work when we first started this was advocating specifically for veterans with PTSD, and and uh, you know that was three or four years ago, and so it's still very much a problem, and and it's kind of slow moving, and so it's good now to see the industry kind of take it on its back and then include it as something that you know is paramount to like what we address now going forward, and so I think that's pretty cool of PAX to kind of do that. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about you know, what are like projects like, uh, like Weed for Warriors, what specifically do they do? And, and you know, how does Pax kind of fit in with that whole program?
0: Yeah, so um, Weed for Warriors specifically, right, they, they organize groups uh, into chapters by state. Um, they are a national organization. And through the work that they, they do, they actually build community, community-based projects. And so, in these projects, what they're really trying to focus on is um, opportunities for the members of these chapters that they have within uh, within the organization to go ahead and give them either a access to safe access to cannabis, right, um, so that they can do it in a way that one is quite frankly just affordable, um, and two that they also even can physically get the access to it because. I'm sure as you know, uh, right, one of the major blockers to folks having safe access is just the geographical availability of cannabis, meaning is it licensed and is it licensed in a location that is close enough to you so that you can actually go and get it if that's what you like, right? Obviously, in certain states, it is still completely illegal, which means that you are actually blocked from being able to get access to the product itself, um, even if it is, a, again, um, a natural alternative to treating yourself. Uh, and, And then uh, ultimately what that does, of course, is send people to the black market, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think as we're talking about a long-term healthy industry, that we're going to have to solve that issue at some point in the future here. Um, And that's the other thing that Weed for Warriors does, which is to focus on advocacy, specifically around potentially legislative change, which ultimately would solve, I think, the root cause that you're dealing with there in terms of those kinds of uh, challenges for access. Um, And so that's that's a lot of the work that uh, Weed for Warriors does.
2: Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's also an issue with veterans specifically, like going to a VA hospital as, and consuming cannabis. Can you speak on that a little bit more?
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up. Th- there is definitely a challenge there, right, um, from a couple perspectives. One being because it is not a federally approved or VA approved method of treatment, um, it means that veterans don't have the financial support coming from the VA. Uh, to go ahead and then get that medicine. So unlike the over-the-counter prescription meds that they may be getting as a part of their treatment uh, through the VA programs, that um, that cannabis would not actually be financially compensated in any way, right? And so when you start doing the math, what you find is of the paycheck, right, the average paycheck that a veteran might draw post-service, that um, it would be financially unfeasible for them to be able to also pay for enough cannabis to then take care of themselves in the same way that they uh, would be given the option to use opioids, right? And so that's definitely one of the big challenges um, that you face. And then there's other challenges uh, in terms of just going into a VA and you know if you've taken cannabis, that there could be issues. Now, now, this is gonna be one where it's hard to actually put an exact definition against because it's gonna differ from one location to the next. It's gonna differ from one staff to the next. I do believe that the VA is actually slowly but surely opening up to the idea of cannabis as an alternative, but ultimately it's going to take a long time. It's gonna take a fair amount of work before they're gonna be able to approve and ultimately finance cannabis purchases, right? And the treatment of veterans too. So um, so this, these are very big problems that we're gonna to have to solve.
1: I'm curious though, and, and I don't know if you have the answer or not, but you know, would federal legalization change that conversation or is it still more on the lines of like, they need scientific proof uh, for like therapeutics Uh, before they can do anything there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, it's all the above, right? Um, I think you're definitely going to have to have federal legalization as a first step. But like many things in this industry, I think federal legalization is going to serve as a step in the right direction, but that ultimately the long-term solve for a lot of the things that we're talking about, um, it's going to still take time even beyond that, right? And during that window post-legalization at the federal level, what you'll probably have is a lot of work that would go into things like research at the clinical, on the clinical side, in order to understand, you know, what is the benefit from a health perspective of using cannabis and the cannabinoids, right, that come along with it. Um, again, I think at this point, there's a lot of research that's been done around the world. And I think that's a good starting point. But of course, we're going to have to go on our own path to get to that place so that ultimately, right? If we're talking about medicine and um, things that would ultimately have health benefits uh, for, for people, then it's going to have to end up being FDA approved, right? Mm-hmm. which is another step that we're going to have to solve for at some point in the future.
2: So let's talk about it a little bit more. Like, what exactly is this Pax collaboration? I know you guys have teamed up with some w- really well-known brands all across the U.S. for Veterans Day. So tell us a little bit more about what consumers can expect in the market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in, in this partnership here in the U.S., specifically what we did was uh, we partnered with Weed for Warriors, and we were able to get um, what what's actually the brand is Veterans Relief, R-E-L-E-A-F, Relief. And that is actually Weed for Warriors' brand. And what we're going to have are PAX AeroPods, right, out in the market that people can purchase. Um, and these AeroPods have actually been filled with our brand partners, Oakland Extracts, Happy Valley... 5150 Infusion, Oregon and Leafworks. And what you're going to find is uh, in select markets, California, Massachusetts, Missouri, Oregon, and Washington, these pods with these partners are going to be available in market for purchase. And when you do purchase them, what that's going to do is actually help also fund and and create donations for for Warriors as an organization. Um, And that was in addition to a donation, a $20,000 donation that we made directly to the organization as well to support all of the efforts that they have. Uh, And that was here in the US. And then in Canada, we worked with Wounded Warriors, which is another great organization out there that actually um, in Canada is a a national mental health service provider. And what they use are clinical best practices and evidence-based care to then ultimately work with the veteran community and help them to heal, right, from all of these issues that we talked about earlier. Uh, And uh, in Canada, um, what we're actually doing is for a limited time um, between, uh, let's see, in the month of November, so starting November 1st, going through uh, November 11th, uh, which is Remembrance Day coming up in Canada, Veterans Day here in the U.S., um, we have a a limited time PAX three and PAX era bundle that we're actually offering via our site on uh, ca.pax.com. And that's going to come at a $50 discount, a $50 Canadian discount. Um, And so for every complete care package that we end up selling, that we'll end up donating $25 directly to Wounded Warriors as well. So I think ultimately what we're trying to do is make sure that we can help these organizations with the the funding that they need, because um, they're doing so much good work. And as they're growing, like any organization, right, the first thing you run into is, is running out of funds.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that I think that's so cool. Just, you know, to tie back what we talked to earlier, it's still going to be a little bit of a road to get to where we want to go and to get it to where everybody has safe access. They have a legal market. They have, you know, medicinal cannabis or recreational um, just down the street. Uh, And so I think these organizations, what they're doing, I think that's a necessary step. And also just making things accessible too. like you said, I think. Uh, that definitely kind of solves a lot of those issues just in the, in the interim uh, to get access and then make them affordable and, and you know, steer people towards a healthy alternative besides opioids. I know, um, you know, suicide and certainly like opioid, is it's been like a black eye in the U.S. and in other areas for a number of years now. And so I know altogether, I think we're all ready to move away from it. I think, you know, cannabis could be a great, you know, transition to uh, a different alternative. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, I actually it was at a Veterans in Cannabis event uh, just recently. And, you know, um, Lucy, you were asking the question around veterans and getting involved in cannabis and, and what does that look like? And it's, it's really great to see that uh, as an industry, right, it continues to grow and become more, um, more mainstream by the day. Uh, but that said, we still have a lot of, a lot of work to do um, to truly get it to mainstream adoption. But, uh, but that said, there's a lot of growing interest by veterans who leave service and um, they first come into contact with cannabis for their own care and treatment. And then ultimately what that sparks is, um, right, I think an entrepreneurial streak in people, if they have it, uh, to then pursue that and actually try and build their own cannabis companies uh, in the markets that they that they live. And so, you know, it's great to actually find um, service members out there. For example, I was talking to um, <clears throat> the CEO of uh, Dustoff06, which is uh, a veteran owned, um, organization, uh, that focuses on, again, trying to bring cannabis to the veteran community. And, uh, Frank Kirby is his name and he actually is partnered with another CBD brand, um, where, uh, they, they have some really great products that are very much focused on just general wellness and health. Right. And so, um, I ended up, uh, using one of these products and it's a, it's one of these simple menthol roll-on gel type products Mm -hmm. for basic muscle pain Mm -hmm. and, uh, pain relief. And, um, You know, again, these products are, they work really well. Um, I think you can see a clear future where, right, they're going to end up being used by veterans and not just veterans, but people in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think it's still very early for my travels around the country uh, and the world, for that matter, looking at the state of cannabis from market to market. And um, it is so incredibly early. You know, I think even though I've been in the industry now for, for several years, um, I questioned whether or not it was still as early as I thought it was, because when you look at it on paper, you say to yourself, yeah, it's early, right? But mm-hmm. but I ended up actually taking a trip, taking some time off, and I went to different markets, Missouri, Nevada, Colorado, Oklahoma, New York, the tri-state area, in general, um, went up and down California. and And I visited all kinds of operations to go see up and down the value chain, right? Starting with cultivation all the way through to retail, just to see what the state of the market was. And I can come back and happily report to you that it is incredibly early. It is very, very early. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think that's something that we forget here, even in Colorado. You know, we talk about just cannabis and it's pretty mainstream. And we were talking to a lady last week and she was saying, you know, it's very taboo to even, you know, speak the word CBD in like Idaho. And so we have to kind of remember that there is, you know, plenty of other states out there where the access is not readily available and, you know, the education and the products are not out there for people. Um, And I think that that's really great for veterans. Like you were saying, you talked to a veteran owned company and a past episode I don't remember what the company was but they had brought up this veteran owned I think it might have been CBD as well and they're really authentic you know what I mean like these people really feel the power of the plant and they know that it helps heal them and they're they're very passionate about the fact that they're not using opioids and that really comes through in these products and the messaging and the branding and I think that that's very important as well so you know if there are other companies and resources out there that can support these people in these efforts you all the better really
0: absolutely it's interesting too because even in, in markets like colorado california where it is clearly legal um i think we also know that there's still a long way to go in terms of true mainstream adoption right and absolutely. the removal of any stigma tied to it and i think i can come up with at least one anecdote where i know um a friend who right went to went to apply for a private school for their children and as they were describing, you know, like any private school application process, they, um, they definitely want to dig into understanding who the parents are. And so as he was listening, what he did for work, he very selectively did not talk about the fact that it had to do with cannabis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, you know, funny enough, um, right, the, their children ended up getting into private school. Everything is fine. And later... Other parents are excited to find out that that he works in the industry, right? And I think you and I, we've all experienced that where you think that someone may be somewhat unsure about cannabis as a topic, but once you meet them and start talking to them, they're actually more than happy to actually have a conversation about it and would love to learn more. <laughs> um, but at the same time, still, that stigma is there, right? Which is what caused uh, this friend anyway, to to hold back on that information during the application process. And so, you know, there's still work to be done.
1: No, we totally see that here in Colorado too. Even as far as you know, getting like a mortgage for a home and stuff. I mean, it's still it's not even as far as a stigma. It's like you'll be flat out denied, and so uh, it's absolutely right. a problem. I'm curious though. You know, you went to West Point. And, you, know, there, you know, certainly like very high regard for West Point, and and uh, I Thank think you. you know talking cannabis has to be difficult, especially maybe if you know former grads and friends and stuff. You know, how do those conversations go? Or are you know, outside of West Point, I'm sure it may be a little bit different. But, you know, is there like a shifting tide altogether across the U.S.? Or is it, you know, like a hard line, I guess?
0: Yeah, that's a fair question. So I'll, I'll start with this question of the, the shifting tide. I mean, my personal view is that it is shifting, right? Because I, I can sense and see the shift even between 2017 to today, right? So during that during that span, I know that things have changed. Um, and then of course, statistically speaking, we know things are changing by virtue of the states that are legalizing, right? So now we're at, uh, what do we have? final count now? 37 total, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so that's, that's a massive change because at the time when I first started getting the industry, we were 17 going on 18, right? So we have now officially more than doubled, uh, in terms of legalized states between medical and, and recreational adult use. Um, and so like that would tell you that that change is happening. Um, but then again, there's still right moments where you realize that, uh, we're, we're still not at full acceptance of, of cannabis. Um, and you know, I think the good news is we all have an opportunity to really help guide that conversation. And so every chance I get, I try to, I try to help folks with information, right. Um, in that I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. I really just figure, I know a lot about a certain subject and if folks have questions, I'm always more than happy to answer them. Um, You know, when I first got into the industry too, I was uh, making my decision to join. And uh, I remember talking with my folks about it, just giving them the heads up that I was leaving a company going to another one. And uh, it's funny, I think my my folks have now been just you know, it's, it's been a war of attrition and they basically just let me do whatever I do because <laughs> I have a long history of disappointing them. So, <laughs> so my mother's only response was just don't go to jail. Oh my <laughs> goodness, so, <yeah. laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think again, the point there being like your loved ones are absolutely going to be understanding right about, about a conversation like this one. Uh, and I think what we need to do though, is extend that dialogue to just people in general and, and offer the information that we have um, and do it in a way that is, it can be heard, right? And I, and I think this is one of the key things is that as we look at the next phases of our opportunity to continue expanding this industry, there is a question of, um, what is the message, and how can it be delivered best so that the other side can also hear it? Right, mm-hmm. because it's not just enough to say; it ultimately it also has to be heard on the other side. And so, I think that's something that I think about a lot these days, uh, because I think within that is definitely going to be a lot of more, a lot more progress for us in terms of continue to, to help with um, getting the industry understood.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And and we certainly advocate for that, too, as far as, you know, uh, we still address like the negatives associated with cannabis. And some of these are very real. And I think you have to address these things head on, uh, or there'll never be uh, an adoption altogether. You know, uh, one other thing that comes to mind, too, is, you know, you worked at Twitter, and I could talk, you know, at, at length about, you know, social media and stuff, and how it's really exploded in the last couple of years. And so, uh, I was just curious if it you know if you think there's any similarities between tech and cannabis and and more in, specifically in regards to like this adoption phase of like you know is you know do you expect to see this exponential adoption uh, at like it'll hit a certain point like fifty percent and then just skyrocket to eighty or something uh you know is this is, do you think cannabis has like this viral element almost where mm-hmm. people feel like they may miss out
0: you know um at the risk of sounding hmm. Like I'm drinking too much of the Kool-Aid. I would say yes. (laughs) Right? Um, In that, if you take a look at tech, um, I think there's a lot of elements of cannabis as an industry right now that definitely feel very early web. Right? And so late 20th, getting into the 21st century, where folks really started to understand what this whole internet thing was and that it actually could be beneficial to you in some way. Um, I think other analogs that we could look to, for example, mobile phone adoption, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned this concept of there's a point at which you read an inflection point, and once you get past it, it just goes all the way to full adoption. Mm-hmm. And I think um, smartphones actually were in that state in the early 2000s, for example, where people kind of understood it. There's definitely you know, really evangelical users of the smartphone that uh, were constantly talking about the, the value it brings. But then there was a majority of people that still actually determined, they decided to use feature phones, right? So think flip phone, world candy bar. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> trip down memory lane. But, uh, but that said, um, at some point actually across the, the final threshold past 50%. And all of a sudden, it just started jumping in leaps and bounds towards hundred almost 100% adoption, right? Wow. And so so I think I think cannabis will be very similar in that way. And I think what's fascinating for us at this stage of the game is um, there's a question of what products will people use mm. in the next 10 years? What will that actually look like? And, and I think we don't actually know the answer to that yet. But The fascinating thing about cannabis, right? And this, I think, relates back to the the interesting part about just the plant, the source of the cannabis itself, is that it can be used in almost anywhere you can possibly imagine, right? As a consumed good in foods, it can be used in materials, right? Think fabric and clothing. Um, Certainly it can be used for medicinal purposes. Uh, And so, again, I think there's really very little limitation on how cannabis is going to be used. And I do think the form factor is going to be a really big part of achieving that final level of adoption because it's gonna come in a form that people are just more comfortable with, right? And so I think the simple example that we could talk about very immediately is certainly people can think of cannabis in the form of a joint being smoked. And for many people that could be a turnoff just because they don't like to inhale any kind of smoke or combustion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you put it in a different format, say a vaporizer, right, like Pax, or a, an edible like a drink, a beverage, Um, suddenly it actually can quickly reduce whatever like cognitive friction there is around deciding to use a product. Mm Um, and give people the opportunity to experience it and see that it actually could be beneficial in some way. And then I think it's off to the races. Mm-hmm.
2: That's one of the things I really love about PAX. I remember when I first got the PAX vaporizer, the one where you could put the flower in it, yeah. I thought it was like the coolest thing. And that was, All you right. know, a couple years ago and I was trying to get everybody in vapor over paper. I was like, <laughs> trying to push this campaign. I, like I thought it was so great. <laughs> But I mean, that was innovation, right? Because before all you had was like a volcano and like you had to really sit there and like, you know, there was this whole setup and now you have this portable right. vaporizer, which is great, especially, you know, for like moms or, you know, people that don't want to have that smoking smell with the joint, you could also vaporize, which is way healthier for you. So that was innovation on its own. And, you know, PAX has continued to evolve as well. I know you guys just released your new cartridges or mm-hmm. the batteries or whatever that technology was. So you yeah. guys are continuing to evolve as well so definitely playing a big role in you know the evolutionist cannabis i would say
1: thank you yeah yeah i agree with that you know one of my you know shout out to my friend adam cole the first time i ever smoked a pax pod it like blew me away the flavor you could get back out of the out of the plan i was like holy cow you know normally you smoke a vaporizer and you're like it just isn't the same as like a joint um, but i feel like yeah. i had live resin or something at the time and i was like this flavor it just like tastes so good and you get the full experience and so i do think you're right on the money with saying that uh, i think when people find out the utility of cannabis and they find out it's not just smoking joints and ripping bongs and hitting stuff out of your pipe. And it's not this, you know, promiscuous culture that's been you know placed upon us for hundreds of years now. Um, I think it is going to change public perception and there's going to be a lot of people that come around and they have to finally admit to their family that, Hey, you know, I had like a, I bought you know, some salve from the dispensary and it's great. Or I had an edible or something and we might all be surprised. And um, one thing I did want to point out is, you know, all great things do come back around. So the flip flow, man, that flip phone is making a comeback <laughs> right now. I think it's like Motorola or somebody it is, is yeah. launching the flip phone. So there's always somebody that holds on and, and the company's got to <clears> adapt. Throat> throat> so
0: Yeah. Yeah. The pendulum comes back full circle, right? <laughs> or full swing. Um, and uh, now I think everything, everything you both said um, makes, yeah, it's it, ultimately, I think it's, what's exciting for us at PAX, right? Is that we have an opportunity to continue to uh, provide really, Incredibly high quality products that are ultimately a clean and pure experience for consumers, and and I think by doing so, we're doing it in our way to help again knock down walls and destigmatize the experience and give people a chance to to experience it for themselves. Um, but uh, much much great and exciting work ahead for us.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, one final thing: where can consumers go to support the veterans as Veterans Day on Thursday, and how can they purchase some packs?
0: Absolutely. So what I'd say is uh, in any of the states like I mentioned, uh, and we'll just uh, call those out real quick again, right? So California, Massachusetts, Missouri, Oregon, and Washington. If you're located in any one of these states or if you're in Canada, please go to ca.pax.com. And uh, again, in the five states, go to your favorite local dispensaries uh, that carry any of the brands. Um, like I mentioned before, Oakland Extracts, Happy Valley, 5150, or Grown and Leafworks and go and find, look for the veterans relief pods themselves. And if they don't already readily carry them, look online, of course, in any of your favorite online resources like Read Maps, um, and or any of the delivery services that you might use and uh, like Ease and, and see, if you can find, um, see if you can find veterans relief, right, just search for it and uh, go out there. And again, I think on behalf of PAX and obviously um, in our partners, Weed for Warriors and Wounded Warriors, we, we thank you very much for the support And uh, and also, of course, for the opportunity to join you here on Lit and Lucid.
2: (laughs) We appreciate it as well. (laughs) All right. One final thing, Stephen. We are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid?
0: Oh, that's a good question.
1: I'm going to go with Lucid. <laughs> that's great. I
2: thought so. <laughs> <laughs> very articulate and thought out. Yes, I love it. Yes, very much so. <laughs>
1: cool. Well, you know, thank you again, Stephen, for your time. You know, we appreciate your service and we really appreciate what PAX is doing for our veteran community out there. And and we look forward to your continued growth and, and the continued innovation at PAX. Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> All right, you guys. With that, I'm Lit.
1: I'm Lucid. And
2: that's it.
0: Laters.